Good evening. How's everyone tonight? <laughs> hey, a few an announce, few announcement be, uh, before we get into tonight's message. And uh, uh, first of all, this Saturday again we start a prayer meeting from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. And I invite all of you guys to come out. Uh, it's one hour from 4 to 5 Saturday. And um, it was a great time. I was really blessed with the Holy Spirit's presence uh, last Saturday. So I really invite and ask you guys to come and um, be part of that. And I do want to mention that we are going to open it up online so you can connect via Zoom. And I was thinking about that. Um, maybe you can't make it here or whatever, but you still want to participate. That's awesome, you know. So uh, we're going to have a... Uh, Zoom also so you can, can connect that way and pray with us and we could see you and hear you and we could just exchange prayers in that time. And I was also thinking, well, maybe if you're in Japan, perhaps 4 p.m. on Saturday is 11 a.m. on Sunday. And so you can connect even if you're in Japan from 11 to 12 on Sundays or say you're on the Pacific Coast side, uh, that would be 7 p.m. Saturday. So 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., you could join us too. So uh, anywhere around the country, the world, we can all come together to pray. And really, I would greatly appreciate it because we do pray for the church and the services. And it's just awesome to pray the night before uh, we have church on Sunday. So I really invite you guys to join in uh, if you can. And uh, just uh, come together as a church and church Ohana and body as we come to the Lord and pray. Another announcement I have is next week, Wednesday, um, we are on the last Wednesday of every month, we're going to start partaking in a meal together, a koinonia fellowship. And so at 6.15 on Wednesday, we're going to have food here. So I invite you guys to come early and come uh, share a meal with us and eat. And 6.15, we'll eat and then have like 45 minutes, you know, to eat, uh, go bathroom, brush your teeth. You better brush your teeth. No, just joking. But, you know, get ready for service uh, at 7. And, and we'll continue to do our online uh, service too. But we invite you guys to come. Come here, church, and you don't have to rush and get dinner and then rush here for church, but we'll just eat here. So the last Wednesday, uh, which is next Wednesday, we'll have that meal at 6.15. And those of you who set up early, if you could come at 6, and we'll do a little setup at the same time. But also, next Wednesday, I do want to mention to you that I've been praying about this, and I, I, we're going to try this next Wednesday, maybe every month at the end of the month we'll do this but i want to have like sort of uh, uh on wednesday night this q a like question answer time um any kind of questions you know with the bible um and then maybe even talk about current events and god and bible current things in the news and maybe make some commentary uh you know biblical christian kind of view on that and so i'm gonna have um pastor steven my assistant and i we're gonna be up here just discussing these things. So prior to that, I invite you guys to send us any questions you get, you know, Bible questions or anything like that. If you send it to us early, then I could think of how we answer. No, just joking. But either way, um, you know, just send us questions and, and we love to discuss them. 
talk about them and all. So uh, those of you online or here, you can email the church, upcountrycalvary at gmail.com. Um, or yeah, or send a text, or you know, send me a text, or whatever. But it'd be great just to be able to um, just field some of these questions, have discussion over them, and hopefully learn and grow. And and I was thinking, especially here in our crazy world and news and things that are going on, that perhaps we can even come into that with the biblical uh, Christian perspective on what you know things that are going on. So. Uh, we'll just see how the Lord leads in that way, how the Spirit will lead in that. So I invite you guys to, to yeah, send in, um, you know, these any kind of questions you get. And so um, uh, we'll, we'll try and get to them all, uh, and we'll see what the Spirit does. We'll still have time worship and all, and, we'll pr- and prayer, prayer. But, yeah, I thought that might be an interesting thing for us as we... Uh, move in this world where we're moving into and as God is still moving God's still working here well tonight I actually have a guest speaker and it's actually Pastor Stephen he's he's my assistant he's going to be giving you the study and you may be thinking well why I mean um, yeah we're going to take a break from Luke and um uh, Stephen told me I can't teach tonight. No, just joking. What happened was I was actually scheduled for jury duty this week, and uh, I thought, oh, no, I don't know. I just pictured I'd be on this case, and it'd just be hard to get the study done and manage everything. So I just felt that, oh, I asked Pastor Stephen to teach tonight. Um, well, it actually got rescheduled. You know how you call in like after 5 p.m. the day before, and it got all rescheduled actually to next Wednesday, but we're going to do this Q&A thing, and so it's going to work out fine for me for that, whether I get on a case or not. But I, I just thought, well, you know, we have Pastor Stephen uh, share um, and teach you the word tonight, and even though I'm, I'm not on jury duty this week, I thought, you know, we'll stick to the plan and um, I'll get to really critique him tonight and judge him. No, no judging. No, I'm <laughs> just joking here. But I'm excited to hear what he has to share. And let me tell you this too. You know, even on Sundays or when I'm up here sharing on Wednesday and whatever uh, study or book we're in, whatever verses we're coming into, like as we study through books or as we finished Psalm 23 last Sunday, you know, I always count it a, a privilege to bring you the message because it's, it's God's word and God has a message for you. And every Wednesday, every Sunday, God has a message for you, a word for you. And so whether I'm teaching or tonight Pastor Stephen's teaching, it's, it, God has a message and so that was part of the reason I thought, yeah, I'm not on jury duty. I could have done it tonight. But you know what? I felt like God has a message for us through what the Lord has given Pastor Stephen to teach. So be aware of that tonight as we get into the Word. So if you can give a warm welcome to Pastor Stephen. That's his wife. <laughs> Biggest fan. All right. Well, it is a privilege. It is always an honor and a privilege to bring you, bring anybody, um, and have an opportunity to share God's word because, you know, it, it is life. It is breath. It is 
all that he has for us and how we grow and how we become what he wants us to. Um, this is one of the greatest methods and tools that he has given us. So it's always a great opportunity to do this and a privilege and, and to be in this pulpit to talk to you guys, to see um, those who are here and those who are online. It's, um, it's always something I look forward to, and, and it's, um, it's a great honor and a privilege. So why don't we open with a word of prayer, and we'll get moving. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for drawing us here this night, and whether we're online or uh, here in this room, Lord, we want to come and prepare our hearts to be before you, to allow Holy Spirit you to work in us through your word, through the touching of our hearts, through the bowing down of our spirit to you. And I pray that you would use it in whatever way you have for each and every one of us, that we would truly have that ear to hear what the Spirit is saying for each and every one of us and move us beyond just hearing to actually doing it. And I pray that you would just touch us this night. Thank you for just giving us this opportunity. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's been, um, I'm in the high-tech world, I'm in the tech world, and it's been an interesting decade of watching what's been happening, and actually a little bit longer than a decade, but um, the biggest push that you really see now is the use of social media, the use of of, uh, that uh, coming together on using social contact, context and, and information, um, touching lives, and, and it, it has expanded our reach, right, of, of who we can talk to, who we see, who we influence. And in fact, I came across this article. It says that over the last decade, we have seen social media growth rapidly in importance. More than 3.4 billion people actively use social media. And so that is 45% of the world is on social media. So that is a huge platform that has come about. And what we really see is now um, this term, I, I didn't hear it before, but I hear it much now, is the word influencer. And that's actually what we call people who have been in the social media world, Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, TikTok, and they're there putting out either information, going through product, going through uh, opinion, whether it's social, whether it's political, but it's there and they're making the name from themselves and they're considered an influencer, someone who is shaping an idea, a thought, for the public, for those who follow them. I mean, these people have anywhere from thousands to millions of followers, of people who listen and take in what they have to say. And a social um, media influencer is someone who has established this credibility that um, 
in their particular field or industry, they have an audience that they can say something to and it would persuade them, it would persuade possibly others to what they recommend, what facts they are talking about, whether they're fact or not, whether they have an idea and they bring it across as truth. They have this capability and it was even interesting as I was looking through this word, um, there are many jobs in Bank of Hawaii I saw and these other ones that used marketing in the past, they're now called influencers. And it's a term that is being used quite a bit. And if you really think about it, this term, we didn't call them back then, but We've always had it. We've had people, whether it's in our lives or you go way back in time, who influenced the way we thought, the way that sphere of influence that they had on people. And just with the Internet, it has made it so much larger, right? That even here now, I can be talking to somebody across the world and influencing the way they think or what they hear. And so that reach has grown so big. And it really has caused us as a public, as a body, as a group, to be influenced. In fact, to maybe to the point that we rely on that influence more than we rely on our thinking. And we've given up one for the other. Henry Ford said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably why so few engage in it. Are we a thinking group, right? Now, humans have this huge, amazing mind that God has given us. It's capable of logical thought. It has the capability of abstract thinking, you know, reasoning. It it can destruct... uh, and analyze information as it goes along. It could uh, allow us to emote, right, to bring up our emotions that are in our lives, right, whether that's joy or sorrow, whether that's fear or confidence in what we are. It, it runs the gamut of what we are able to experience. When way back in the 1600s, the uh, philosopher Rene Descartes came up with this saying. He said, I think, therefore I am. Wow, that's pretty deep, huh? I think, therefore I am. And what he's saying to us, or what he was saying at the time, and it's still something that people keep to, is the idea that if you're thinking, you are, you are alive. And it really reminded me of the Matrix and kind of, you know, one of these weird things where they, you know, I am thinking or not. Am I going to take the blue pill or am I going to take the red pill? Am I going to be a thinker or not? And But it, it talks about, it took a step with, if I'm thinking, I exist, right? And what we, we actually see is that we're going to cover in, in what we're covering today. We're going to be in Philippians. I probably should have told you that before so you can move ahead. We're going to be in Philippians 4, um, 
verses 8 and 9, but it, it talks about there, Paul talks about it, and I don't think he would disagree with the idea of Descartes saying, I think, therefore I am, but I think he would take it a little bit further. He would take it, I think, therefore I do. And that's really what we're going to be seeing, right? That my thought life is really attached to the rest of my life. That whatever I tend to think on is where I eventually go and do and believe. That it starts with this thought. So that if we have good thoughts, we bear good fruit. If we have bad thoughts... It bears, we bear bad fruit. But in the end, we're the ones who do the planting. It's up to us. It's a choice that we make. So several years ago, there was this workshop put on by this well-known professor who delivered um, to a group of college educators this challenge. This professor posed this following question to these participants. If all the books on the art of moving human beings into action were condensed into one brief statement, what would that statement be? And so this really brought this group and there was huge discussion, much thinking over what, what, how can we bring this all together? How can we, we truly condense this into one statement? Even to the point it went all night long. And the next day they pre- presented their response. And this is the response they came up with. What the mind attends to, it considers. What it does not attend to, it dismisses. What the mind attends to continually, it believes. And what the mind believes, it eventually does. So in other words, if you want to understand why people behave the way they behave, you first need to understand what is it they believe. Right? Our beliefs drive our behavior. If we truly believe in this God that we say we serve, we follow after him. And we see to what extent we follow after him. So as as a background... Let's turn to Philippians 4, in verses 8 and 9. And in, in this message I titled, What Are You Thinking? And so as, as you guys move there, we're going to jump into Philippians. Philippians is a book about joy. It's about, you know, this joyful life. And Paul, uh, interesting enough, Paul is in prison and he's talking about joy. Right, And he tells us how this life is going to be. But if we're going to have this joyful life, we're going to have to have a joyful thought life. Because if we don't think it, we are not going to do it. And that's where we're going to begin. So Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, 
These do, and the God of peace will be with you. And what I want you to first see is this relationship between the two verses. And, and really what you're seeing in structure is a list, two lists, that have one main verb in each of the verses. In verse 8, the main verb there is meditate, or to think, to ponder, to consider. And it says to consider these things. And it's the first verb that we are dealing with and we're seeing, but it also relates to the second verb, which is in verse 9. And the main verb there is do. These do. So we are to meditate or think and then do. One leads to the other. One, the thought life leads to the action of doing, right? And this is a consistency we see in the Bible describe um, this thought process and proceed, uh, process that we, we go through that we should be thinking which drives us to doing. Jesus taught on humility to his disciples. And on the last night at the Last Supper, he got up and we washed their feet. And they were, right, a little, hmm, what's going on? Why are you washing my feet? But then he goes on and he says, and he says to them, if you know these things, you thought about it, you've been in internalized it, happy are you if you do them. The relationship of thinking to doing. Knowing this, right? Knowing and having the knowledge should lead us to an action and take us from one set to another. As another example, we see Paul. Paul often does this, and, and really you see it um, played out in Romans in the book of Romans, he spends 11 chapters talking to us of our sinful state, our salvation, our sanctification process, and our confidence that we grow in God and what he has done for us. And then he finally comes to chapter 12 and says in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, because of all this information I told you in 11 chapters, because of all that, you thinking people, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So you've thought about this. Now do it. That's your reasonable service. All that God has done should lead you to wanting to serve him and seeing all that he has he has for you. We also see this in Ephesians, and, and I, I just love the book of Ephesians. Paul takes the first three chapters. He tells you about all the wealth we have in Christ, all that we've been given. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given all that is necessary to live this life. And then in chapter 4, he says, Therefore, I beseech you, walk worthy of the calling you have received. Walk an action. Because you have received. There is always this relationship between knowing and doing. Between doctrine and duty. Between learning 
and living. We learn, then we live it out. And that's really what he's calling us to do. So what we want to do with these two verses is we're just going to go through three simple things, three, three ways that we should be thinking as thinking Christians that, one, we ought to think deliberately. We should, two, think righteously. And three, th- think with intention. Is it up? Why don't we all just go through that and say that? So one, think deliberately. Two, think righteously. And three, think with intention. So I got all you guys thinking, right? These are the three ways of learning. Visually, auditorial, and kinetically. You guys talked it. So you've learned this. Now we need to do it. So we start. First, number one, think deliberately. In verse 8, the main clause, again, we go back to that, is meditate on these things. Think on things. Your mind can go in a million directions, right? And even now, you're probably barely thinking about what I'm saying, and you're thinking about dinner, you're thinking about the car coming across, you're thinking about, you know, what am I going to do tonight? There's so many things that go on to your mind. And what we truly need to do is be those people who deliberately think about what is allowing into our mind. What we are pondering, what we are concentrating on. The word meditate here is often translated into the word think or ponder. So think on these things, ponder these things. You see it may be that way in your version But this is the Greek word logizomai, which is where we get the word logic. So it's telling us this is way we are to think. We are to think logically or concentrate or consider logically. This is not haphazard. There is a reason, a logic, a working through. Your mind needs to be thinking, and that's what it is to think, right? It is not just to, oh, this is the words, and they just come and go. You, you always heard it goes in one ear and out the other. Well, we are to consider it, to trap it, to put it in our, to concentrate, to think about it, deliberate on this, right? So this is that whole idea that logically, What we do, the action that we take, is based on this deliberate thought on the principles that are given to us, right? And according to the scriptures, thinking is paramount. As we see in Proverbs 23, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. It's even the word telling us. And for years we have, I mean, you guys have probably heard this term we are what we think maybe you heard it we are what we eat now it's we are what we think right ralph waldo emerson said you are what you think all day long it becomes who you are it becomes part of the fabric of how you act and what you think about god what you think about yourself What you think about this world that we live in and the turmoil or non-turmoil that we see, what you think about sex, 
what you think about marriage, how you think society should be, politics, the things that are going on in social issues, they all shape the things that you do, how you respond, how you accept information that comes in. And it really defines who you are. You are the sum of all these thoughts. People's lives are a product of people's thoughts. You know, it's often, uh, I've heard it much when I'm here. This is the way we've always done it. This is how I grew up. This is how we locals do this. You're a product of this thought life that you've had. So, as we see, Jesus said in Mark 7, from what comes out of a man, that is what defiles him. It's what comes out. And if we really read on further, Jesus speaking about the thought life that defines us, in Mark 7, 21 through 23, it says, from within, out of a person's heart, and this is the NLT, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, e- um, eager, eagerness for lustful pleasure, envy, slander, slander pride, foolishness. Uh, all these vile things come from within. They are what defile you and make you unacceptable to God. And as much as this is the negative side, there is the positive, right? Those good things that come out of you because of what God has placed in you, right? People are, are reacting and doing based on what they've been thinking about. And what we think about truly defines what we are going to do. So through the Bible, God commands us really to think, right? In Isaiah 1.18, it says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. So we as Christians need to be thinkers, not just followers, not just doers. Thinkers who concentrate and consider all that is coming in. We are being called to by God to use these brains that he has given us. But it really makes me think how many of us are using that, especially in our Christian life. We often think of what's happening in the world, but do we come and do we check in at church and leave and stop thinking? Or do we consider all things that are happening in life in light of that which you are taking in on Sunday, on Wednesday, and throughout the week. Those things that God has placed in your life. We often think church and the Christian life is all about this mystical side of, of, of life. That we're going to get this holy zap and we're going to become and be. And when we get that zap, that's what being a Christian is all about. In John, it says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's the truth that's going to give us. It's that 
word that God has given us. So maybe we become so accustomed to being influenced that we have stopped thinking, pondering, and considering. And in a way, I just like to say, not that I have it all together, but it's time to wake up. We are not to be influenced by the world. Right? The objective of the devil is to blind you, to cheat you, to blind you, to kill you, in the end, wipe you out. That's what the world is going to provide. God is giving you so much more and wants so much more. A.W. Tozer said, The great weight of exhortation these days is in the direction of zeal and activity. Let's get going is the favorite watchword of the gospel worker with the results that everyone feels ashamed to sit down and think that we need to be so active that we don't stop and think. Jesus said to the lawyer, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And Jesus also said, Learn of me. Not just hear of me. Not just consider me. But learn. Take me in. Peter wrote, Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hosea, the prophet, cried out, My people perish for lack of knowledge. It wasn't lack of zeal and doing. It was a lack of knowledge. All of this is to say we need to be thinking Christians. We need to consider. We are not to check our brains at the door. Come to church. Check in on online. And go, okay, Pastor Rick, you tell me everything. And take that in, and all right, I'm good for the week. All right, I'm good for three days. We are teaching you this so that you will take it in and consider it. That you will be deliberate in what you're hearing and going through it logically, meditating on these things, And that would be your first step to actually doing the next. So the second thing that we want to see is that our thinking should be righteously. And Paul goes on and says, think, didn't go on and say think and therefore you are. He said, let me tell you what to think about, right? He didn't just say, hey, think and not say anything. He's going to give you some parameters. He's giving you some help here of how you are to think. Again, he said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there are any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So he gives us this list Consider, or I I can ask you this question, how many thoughts do you think 
thoughts and think. Pretty good, huh? How many thoughts do you think you produce every day? Okay, I'll give you an answer. This is what the neuroscientists say. There's, you produce 70,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot going on up here in this mind. Well, maybe not this one because it lacks a little bit. But that's 25 and a half million thoughts in a year, which is quite a bit, right? So as we see, we have so many options. We're being bombarded with different thoughts. Is that how do we harness these thoughts? In the Bible, in 2 Corinthians 10, it says, We take every, uh, every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. In Romans 8, Paul says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So we notice in light of verse 8, this list of things that are pure, things that are noble, and etc., right? In this list of six things that he gives us, all these things are basically saying the same thing. It's really a set. It's a set thought of describing righteous thinking. In other words, this true things that are true and... No, okay. In other words... True things are noble. Noble things are just. Just things are pure. Pure things are lovely. All of it describes the same thing, right? This righteous thinking. And Webster defines righteously. Righteous is in thinking. Thinking according with divine and moral law. Free from guilt or sin. It is to lead us for the purpose of right living, right? What we think produces a life. So we need to be vigilant about what goes into our minds, what we allow in terms of what we see and what we hear, what we read, and also the opinions that we receive, whether they're our friends our brother and sister, our parents. It all still needs to be filtered through what Paul has said to consider. So Paul says, whatever things, and, and some people get caught up on that whole thought of whatever, meaning, well, I can think of whatever. And the reality of what Paul is saying, and, and again, I, I ask you to be thinking, Christians, because what is the character of Paul? The character of Paul never says, whatever, do anything. The character of Paul is, consider all things. But in light of all these things that are coming in, these 70,000 thoughts a day, from that, choose that which fits in these categories, that chooses, that causes you to think righteously not to choose those things that are of no use and of no value to you and in fact in verse 9 it tells us that these are the qualities that he taught 
and he lived by himself, right? These things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. That is the character of Paul. And that's why he's saying all these things. So all these things he mentions in verse 8 are just parameters of thinking. And all these really can be found throughout the scripture. And in fact, it really points us to the scripture or the Bible itself. And if we compare it to um, Psalm 19, it's very close and parallel of what it's saying. But Psalm 19 is always referring to the scriptures. Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are just or right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord is true and righteous altogether. See how similar it is sounding. And I really see that it is pointing us to, and Paul in himself is pointing us to, this is what we've been given is the word in order to filter these things through for righteous living. So if we look at a couple of these, of the sixth, and we start with whatever things are true, and, and what we, we all love, and I really love, is this attribute of God, that God is the truth. He is true, right? That he is the God of all truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, when he was pray, praying in the garden for his um, disciples, he said, sanctify them. Father, by your truth, your word is truth. So God specializes in the truth. And so we should think about what is true. And you will find that in his word. He gives you the principles that you can live by that are true. And this is really important in this day and age because so much of this world doesn't believe there is an absolute truth, that there is truth. It's all truly based on this emotion of, uh, it might be right for you, but it's not right for me. So your truth and my truth are two different things, but they're true. There's no absolute truth. And it's all about whether emotionally it satisfies my need versus satisfying another person's need. And we're constantly bombarded with this throughout this world. And in fact, it's probably gotten worse when back in the old days when I was younger, things were a little bit more strict, right? Now it's all about the feelings. I can't hurt that feeling. I can't say that even though it's true and it's for the betterment of that person because it will hurt their feelings, And we're so caught up with that idea that we've lost what is truth. But the Bible tells you this is truth. This is God's word. This is the attribute of God. And I'm bringing it forth to you. So we get away from the idea of 
it's about feeling and emotion to what is real and what God has saying, has said. And as we move on, it says, whatever is noble, this means worthy of respect, dignified, worthy of awe. It is the opposite of common or mundane. It is these lofty thoughts. So what is true? What is noble? What is just? And this is a word means what is right or righteous. And the scripture shows us how to walk a righteous path, right? That's what the scripture is showing you. We are on this path and, and, and we've been given these principles and directions to help us on this righteous path. And if whatever we want, ever wonder or wonder what is right and what is wrong, we can search the scriptures for the basic principles to give guidance for truth and righteousness. The, um, David said in Psalm 119, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the guidance, your word. So then we also see, the, notice the word uh, pure. Whatever things are pure, and this means wholesome, this means morally pure, and it's opposite of what we consider dirty or smutty today. Right? David said, How shall a man keep his ways pure? By taking heed according to your word. The word is what is going to help us. So God's word will give you purity. John Bunyan who the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, in the leaf, uh, the flyleaf of his Bible, he wrote, either this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. The Bible has ability to keep you pure. And as you choose not to keep pure, it's going to keep you from the Bible. So this book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And it, it, when I read that, it, it reminded me, you know, have you ever found that the hardest times to either, either read, seek God in prayer, are those times when you feel that the word or something he is showing you is exposing something you don't like and you choose not to seek him because you do not want to come and have that thing confronted in your life. That we choose, right, the easy path. Well, if I don't come to him, I don't feel this way. Instead of what he's trying to do is saying, I'm showing you this so that you will come to me. I'm exposing this to you in my word so you will see it, that you have a need to come to me. Mark Twain used to say, it is not the things I don't understand in the Bible that bother me. It is the things that I do understand that bother me because they confront my life. So whatever things are pure, I mean, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, 
Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there's any virtue or anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So it's also in this world that we talked about this high-tech internet world, along with our 70,000 thoughts that we think a day. And I don't know who sits around and counts these, but we are bombarded along with this in the internet world. They said between five to 10,000 ads a day that is coming in, flashing, and you might not even subconsciously look for it or see it, but do you ever wonder sometimes, hey, I checked out uh, you know, that camera, and then all of a sudden all these ads for that camera start popping up. Or I, I checked out this food, and wow, I didn't know that like, they had that food there. I didn't know that. And they start bombarding you. With all this advertisement. Even in the thought. Or the headlines and the searches that you do. If you search for subjects. They start popping in. As the number one thing you start seeing. And in relationship. And it's all there to influence your life. Influence how you think. Right? From the advertisement world. To get you to buy more. To get you to want something. I'm going to make it so easy. All you got to do is click. And you got it. Without thinking. Because I don't want you to think. I want you to just do. And there's between 5,000 and 10,000 ads that come to, to you every day. In addition to that, there are much more on the internet, on your social media, on the things around us that are trying to influence our life. We're going through elections. Who to vote for? Why do we should vote for them? Super PACs talking about, you know, this candidate and what they're doing wrong and what that they're, they're not this or that to us. Trying to influence what we think and how we vote. And we as Christians need to stop and think what is righteous. What is good? What is filtered through these six things that we've gone through? To to lead us into proper action. Not to be influenced by the world. So we are to think deliberately, think righteously. And third, think with intention. Verse 9. These things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So after presenting this list of attributes that for your thought life, right? He now shows that you should that all this learning and and your thoughts being captured and um, your thinking it should lead you to doing something, right? As we look back at the two main verbs, you meditate or think or ponder. And then the second um, verb was do, do these things. So it's not just think about it and do nothing because it doesn't lead you anywhere. He's saying because we've done all these good things, we're thinking all these good ways, 
do them. It should lead you to action. And in the Greek, that word do is, practice this and I can't get it again, prosos, proso. And this is a present active imperative, right? It's a command. He is giving this, Paul is giving this command, do it. Not, oh, it's just a suggestion if you would like to do it. You know, consider maybe doing it. No, he's saying, because of this way of thinking, it should lead you to do. These things do. These things I command you to keep on practicing. Keep on doing. Why is this a command? Because he knows, Paul knows that we can never separate this thought life from this outward life that we have. Right? We can't be thinking and say, oh, I'm not going to do that because we're not really thinking. We're going to think of something else and do something else. And he's trying to focus us in. He's trying to get us to concentrate on where our actions and our outward life is. That we should ponder what we are going to do in practice, right? That we should always consider. It's just like coming to God and asking him, God, what is it you want me to do? And do we go and go, well, Neil, God, I'm not sure that's really what you want me to do. Once he answers you. Oh, no, God, I'm, I'm thinking this is what I should be doing. Not what you're telling me. No, he's saying, come with the attitude, I'm asking, I'm considering, I'm thinking, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that which he wants me to do. And really, that is the goal of anybody who stands up here, Pastor Rick, myself, myself right now. My whole goal is to hopefully get you to think enough and say, Oh, I kind of hear what he's saying. I'm going to consider that, and I'm going to actually maybe do something. And maybe if I hear it enough times, because a lot of times it's not just the first time that we get it, but I'm going to consider it. I'm going to internalize it. I'm going to twist it in my mind and make it work. And then I'm actually going to do something. That's the, the goal of every message that we have here is that you would grow in your knowledge and it would cause you to do that you would open your heart to the Holy Spirit and allow him to work in your heart that it moves from here into here to cause it to be part of your life to live as he has called you to live it's the goal of every pastor it's the goal of every coach. When I'm coaching, I don't tell them the instructions in hopes that they won't do it. It's for their betterment and to get the best out of them. And in that way, in that same thought, is what we are trying to bring to you. Bring to you. So that is always our hope. This is why Paul in Galatians 4, he said, 
I feel as if I am going through labor pains for you. Again and again, they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your life. We want that. We want that for your life, to fully develop Christ in your life. And so we see, we meditate, and then we do them. And notice that he says, these things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. It's not like Paul has arrived and said, hey, I'm perfect, so do like me I'm, and be perfect. What he is trying to say is, here's an example, maybe not the most perfect example, but a example that you can see and you can actually converse with, that you can talk with. That is why we always want to be gathering together as, as the group, as the brethren gather together, that iron sharpens iron, that you develop relationships with one another to lift up one another. That's the purpose of the body, to help one another grow. Your relationships should be causing you to have an example to look at and saying, this is where I want to go. Someone to be looking up to. So as we see that, and as I have been covering in these, these, I don't know what it's been, almost 45 minutes, 40 minutes, um, you know, what are you going to do with this? And I, I think that's the question, right? You come here, you learn, you listen, you see online. You could be, I don't know what you're doing at home. You could be eating. You could be getting coffee. You could be sitting here. You could be nodding off. You could be, hey, Stephen, this is long enough. Let's move on. But in all of it, what are you going to do with it? And I think that's what we want for you, to, to come in and be challenged and to think and to do, right? It's just like in James, it says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And as he goes on, he says, if you do that, you deceive yourself. It's like looking in a mirror but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself and walk away and forget what you look like. And we can all relate to that, right? You get up in the morning. Sometimes I flip on the light. Sometimes I don't because I really don't want to see what I look like. But you prepare yourself, right? Your bed head, your, your blankets that are creasing your face, your puffy eyes. We wash. We prepare ourselves. It would be like looking in the mirror, confronted with truth, the mirror, and saying, I'm fine, I look good, but I come in, my hair is this way. It's confronting you with the truth. What are you going to do with it? So we must think deliberately, righteously, 
but also with intention to do something. And what I really want you to see is at the end of that verse, it tells us, and the God of peace will be with you. And it's different than in verse 7 when it says the peace of God. So the peace of God we love, right? We like that. I want the peace of God. Well, he is saying the God, the creator, the originator, the one who gives peace, that peace you so wanting to seek, him, he will be with you. That relationship, that growth, that community with him, communing with him. Think about that. That's what he wants. That's what this will all lead you to and arrive to, is that, is that relationship. I came across this poem and it goes, you are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the things that you do and the words that you say. People hear what you say and see what you do. So what is a gospel? According to you. You write a chapter every day. Right? We are new creations. The new Stephen version. The NSV. Wow, pretty good. The new Chris version. NKB. Oh, King James version. (laughs) But it is... It is our life that displays and shows Jesus Christ to this world. That's what we've been called to do. That's what we've been called to be. A light to this world. Right? And that's where we need to go. We need to be different. And so three things, real quick, I want to leave you with. Just three things to think about and to move forward in. First thing. Practical things and takeaways we can have. Evaluate content. Simple. In light of what we just learned, evaluate what is going in. What you're taking in. Whether you're reading it, you're seeing it, hearing it, viewing it, on the internet, in your books, on TV. Evaluate what you are encountering and Filter it through this list that we have. Second, begin and end your day with God's word, with the truth. To renew your mind. It's that mind renewal we need to go through. We need to get away from the things of the world that we start our day with God and we end. When we put our head on the pillow, we end with God in our mind that we dream about God that we hear what he has to say for us at night. And third, that we meditate on scripture. We need to be thinkers. Take a verse, take a psalm, take a take a book. Read a couple verses and think about it. What does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean to me? Think about it and grow and learn of him 
He wants you to know his word because in his word you learn about him. So we see that. Evaluate content, begin and end our day with truth, and meditate on scripture. So as we see, Philippians 4, 8, 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us all that is necessary and needed. Help us, Lord, to take captive all thoughts that come in. Help us to be aware of that which you have given us, the weapons of our warfare for tearing down the strongholds in our lives. That we would not be influenced by this world, but we would be the influencers of this world, Lord. We ask for your help because we need you. We need all that you can give. And we thank you for your love that constantly reaches out to us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.